You're listening to the podcast for grain merchandisers by grain merchandisers. Join us in our good humored attempt to serve as a voice of reason in an industry fraught with misconceptions and half truths. And now, from deep in America's heartland, this is the Elevator's Cut. Welcome back to another episode of The Elevator's Cut. I'm Jason Wheeler. And I'm Roger Gaddis. That's right. We're glad to have you back. Thanks for listening again today. And uh, I'd like to get into our, our topic today. Now, th- today's topic is out of the, the mind of our very own Roger Gaddis. This is uh, something he wanted to do. This is, um, we'll, we'll just tell him about it, Roger. Today's topic, we kind of wanted to get into uh, one of the the big points of the zeitgeist of the grain industry today, this year, 2018, and that is market disruptors, specifically the idea of market disruption in the grain marketing side of the grain business. This is nothing new, but it's definitely been a, I, I don't want to use hot topic, but I'm going to use hot topic. It's been a hot topic this year. I got in t-shirts from that place before. Yeah, I mean, it, they're terrible. That I was, was a teenager. Business, so. But having having uh, the discussion about the, the companies and the ideas that are coming into our industry and have been for a while yet, but it seems like they've come to a head lately, of this idea of bringing um, new benefits to an industry that seems to work pretty efficiently already. And that in and of itself is contentious. Some people say it's system's completely broken from the futures to grain contracts to demand everything and other people say quit messing with a good thing and that's hard to say especially in light of a year like this where you know we've seen some some you know politically motivated things we can't get around and supply issues and all this other stuff but i would say that the free market in the grain business is still generally pretty efficient do you agree with that, Jason? I do agree. I mean, as as basis traders, that's, uh, you know, we're biased, of course, but I feel that's what brings the efficiency to the market is is that middleman who in our business, of course, is necessary, right? The the grain all comes at the same time of year. Uh, it's all harvested at the same time, but it's needed all year long by whatever animals are eating it, whatever processors need to run, exporters need to export and Humans need to eat. Animals need to eat all year long, no matter when the the grain is grown. So, our logistically there has to be a middleman, but it's it's wonderful in our industry because of the, as long as those guys in the middle are basis trading, um, you know, like we always say. I mean, you can buy five dollar corn and sell it for three dollars and make money, and everybody's better off if there's that person in the middle who has those skills. So I, I say our market is uh, is very efficient. Um, and this whole uh, concept of, hey, we need to be a market disruptor and come in and, and uh, shake things up, I, I, uh, you know, I tend to roll my eyes at that at that concept a little bit. And, and you know, I'm, that's why I'm here. I'm here to have my mind open because I'm, I'm sure Roger, you're all about all about uh, the market disruption. You no, know it, man. No, um, okay. You know, this is a, 
this is a podcast. We we can talk a little bit, right? Because that's that's literally all this I is. I think that's what we do. Okay, good. I Randy, talk about Randy's this. nodding yes. That is what we do. Okay, good. We have approval. Uh, great. So if you're if you're disrupting a market that I guess inherently says that something's wrong with this market, it needs to be shaken up, shooken up. I don't I don't know the grammar. It's good from Arkansas, so apologize. But but um, if as we see it, it is a very efficient market. Maybe one of the, if not the most efficient market we have, and it's very efficient. I think. I believe Roger agrees with me. He's silent. I do. Okay, but we we have a very efficient market. If we want to disrupt that, I think what we're being is not helpful, but but hurtful. So that's a possibility if 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 you're not careful. I mean, one could say that. You know, tariffs on China is a market disruptor. That's true. And it seems not to be such a awesome thing for the U.S. grain business. Yeah. Well, any government intervention is a well. Any intervention, disruptor. you know, in something that that's working, and I, I think that a lot of it stems from not taking the the thirty thousand foot view, and or being on the side of a transaction that didn't work out to your liking. Colors all of our judgments, you know, one way or another. And so anyway, we've got an influx, it seems like, recently of players, companies coming in, startups coming into the market, the grain marketing market, you know, the, the, the part that's helping farmers sell grain and, and I guess to a lesser degree, merchandisers merchandise their grain that have come in and listen, if you're going to come in and provide a service, provide a value to the market, great. That's great. If you find a niche where that's needed, that's fantastic. However, if your whole proposition is that you're going to come in and essentially supplant someone else in the name of the things they're already doing, it's, it seems kind of crazy to me. So, and the biggest part of that that I have an issue with is the transparency. You hear this all the time from a lot of these startups that come in and say, you know, we're bringing transparency to the market. We're going to get farmers a fair price and we're going to connect them with buyers all over the world. Man, I think the market does that every day already. I don't, you know, what's, what's, where are things not transparent? If, if anything, the market's gotten more transparent every day since the history of this industry. If I want to see someone's bid, I go online and look. That that's as transparent as price gets. There's no secrets in the grain business. There's no secrets in the grain business. The transparency's out there. Where can I go? Where can I do? It it just I, I I don't know where it's coming from, but people buy into it. I have a theory of where let's hear it. Where it's from? The, you know, that's why that's why everyone's out there listening uh, in your car, uh, on your phone, on your on your walk. On your on your treadmill, Did whatever. You say on your doing. walk, yeah, you're you're walking oh, in the park. Got your earbuds. That's I don't your know. W O K walk. I don't know how the, how everybody does this, but anyways, that's why you listen. You want to hear my crazy crazy theories? Because I've got I've got plenty. You do. Got, I just try not to let too many of them out, so people know how how uh, crazy I am. But I think it comes from a place where think of any other any any other commodity or good. Uh, there's a supply chain, right? Uh, somebody makes chairs and then there's somebody who sells it to Walmart and there's a salesman 
who sells it for a little more than they had money in their, you know, they had their materials, they bought, they use their labor, they, boom, we marked it up. It's a little bit more. Walmart buys it in bulk or who I say Walmart, but any, anybody buys it in bulk, a big wholesaler. And, and sometimes it goes through a couple level, levels of wholesalers and each one, it's a, the price goes a little bit higher, a little bit higher, a little bit higher until it gets to the retail level where the ordinary person can buy it and it's at the highest price possible. And so everybody along that chain has made money because the price got a little bit higher, a little bit higher, a little bit higher. And that's how most, most goods are brought to market. Is that, is that correct? I thought that was Milton Friedman sitting at the other end of the table <laughs> right now. Yeah. Well, um, sorry. Except, except for the mustache. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, no, so we, that's how most goods are brought to the market. However, in the grain business is not, not so. Um, because we have a hedgeable commodity and we use futures, uh, the grain elevators and, and the users and everybody, it it allows you to lock in prices at different times. So there's so you do have the ability for a farmer to sell five dollar corn and then a, a grain processor or a feeder to buy the corn for three dollars at another time. That same corn. Um, so that's a unique thing. So I think outsiders come in with their <laughs> their money from whatever large companies we never clarified before this uh started are we are we going to um are we going to say the actual names of these people or let everybody assume they already know we can who assume we're talking about. i mean we can say yeah. one's a one's one's an acronym one's a color of blue and the other one is like napster <laughs> and there's there's more than that <laughs> you know i, I want to get back to this point i'm making um but I will just quickly aside here, uh, this last summer, uh, the state of Illinois contact guy, and I don't know, probably doesn't want to be named, but anyways, applications for new grain dealers licenses, uh, in the summer in Illinois, there had been eight so far that year. Six of them did not have space. I can't, I don't even know who all six of them are. Like, like Rogers, I can name a few mm-hmm. that I, I have a pretty good idea of, um, that are that are trying to do this, but it's and so. Here's my theory. I said I was going to give it to. You. I think it comes from a place of they're used to all those other businesses where everybody in the middle takes something out. So if we can be the most efficient in the middle, boom, we we help stuff, and, and we've done this in whatever industry they're from. And so they think we'll bring our knowledge to these backwoods agriculture people who obviously don't know anything, and they're. <laughs> I mean, so this is, again, it's my sure. wacky theory, but I, I think it's a, it comes from a place of condescension and that's, that's where it comes from me. And I know that's harsh and, uh, and everything. And, and maybe not everybody from those companies feels that way, but I think that's generally where it starts. Now, I think, I think they get a lot of smart people at those places. Mm-hmm. I, I think very talented people in a lot of cases and, and they try to make a goal of it. But the initial thought of coming in is to think this market must be broken and it's agriculture. So they must be behind everybody else. And they don't have that understanding of how the, the middleman thing works and that the basis trading works all the time. It is almost like to hear one segment of the supply chain wailing over whatever the, the, the issue is they have with is something new that that's been going on in this business since it started. Someone's unhappy with something for some reason. Could be weather related, could be price related. I mean, there's always something that's not perfect. And that's probably true for most businesses, but for sure in ours. But 
the I don't know. It just seems audacious to say, you know, we're going to bring transparency. One of the points that, that really gets to me and makes me roll my eyes and hear it is the promise to go offer producers access to thousands of buyers of your product across the world. That sounds really good. Thing is, there's a piece called freight and getting grain from a farm to an end user costs something. So that in of itself negates a ton of buyers as a direct source for the producer. And I would be willing to bet that any producer in any part of the country that signs up on these services, goes through them, ends up delivering their grain to a place that would already went anyway. Not all of them. I'm sure there's some new buyers that do get opened up. That's bound to happen. But I would bet the majority of us going to go to a place or would like to go to a place that would have gone anyway. It's just a logistics issue at that point. You can't force a buyer in Singapore to take a bean from Illinois just because you can connect to them online. It doesn't all the price doesn't always work out that way. Yeah. I mean, it it's hard enough to get beans across two counties, let alone half the world away. I mean, it, it just doesn't and I know I I would like to think that some of the participants see this and see through it, and Twitter says as much, you know, conversation with producers on there about all this stuff they see and it's like, this is unnecessary, but there is a big group of folks out there that have been told the system is broken and here's the solution to that. Although the solution is nothing new, it's just a new person in the middle of it supplanting someone that was already there. The difference being, I see, is that the, the supplanter is not providing the value that the person already there is. Maybe they are. In some cases, are. I know there's there's elevators and merchandisers out there that probably treat their customers poorly and take advantage of them. I'm sure it exists. But that's not the majority of people because the majority of people out there would like to be in business again the next year. Right. And, that's, and the competition is such that if the producer doesn't want to go there because he got burned, he'll go somewhere else. That exists already. That exists already. Yeah, and I think... Whether it's their original intent or not, I think it, they were moving to the agricultural space. And I think in the agricultural space at large, there is probably some areas they can, they can help. But the grain itself, the grain marketing chain is already very transparent, very efficient. Um, and th those in the commercial grain side, they, they know that, understand that. Um, but like I said, a lot of these people, uh, organizations I think can add on the input side for farmers mm -hmm. and stuff. And I, and I think they are, and they're just trying to roll that into uh, a grain origination program too. And it's, uh, it's kind of hokey. I mean, like I said, this is a, this is a, you know, a lot of them are coming on right now. You know, that's another thing that's weird to me is I can understand this sort of money and investment coming into this industry and trying to find ways to, to get efficiencies or whatever in times of, of high prices and not a lot of, you know, cause there is a lot of margin in the middle when there's Absolutely. high prices and low supply and a lot of demand, a lot of basis volatility happens and you, there are some big opportunities in there, but right now um, it, it's not that way. So it's, it's the timing's a little odd for me too on the grain side, but, but um I don't know. So hopefully we'll see how, you know, the market bears out 
every, mm-hmm. everything in the end. And uh, if, if they provide value, they'll they'll be sure. there. They'll and they'll stay and they'll be a force and they'll be they'll be useful and everybody will be better off for it. Um, I'm skeptical, but you know I I don't know. And like I said, I think they have some really intelligent people uh, that from the business that they've hired and and all that. And uh, if anybody can make it work, you know. They, they've got some good ones. So we'll have to see. See, that was me being nice. Yeah, I was cushioning it. You guys may think I'm critical of it, but see, I just said some nice things about people in a That's way. That's good. That's very, very nice of you. It's political maneuvering. The Very good at that, by the way. It's a, like a NASCAR almost, the maneuvering. Got a draft, right? Or whatever they do. Is that a beer? <laughs> Cars. I don't know. The one of those companies that you know hearing stories, and I profess I don't know the bulk of the ins and outs of the business. And for better or worse, I take most of my information off of comp side conversations with folks on social media about it and that have dealt with these guys directly. And it's been mixed bag. It's good. Some people, yeah, it's worked good. Some people, eh, it's not worth the hassle. And some people, it's been a disaster. Like most any other business participant, there's a spectrum of of outcomes. But it gets me is that some of these companies seem to assume a lot of things about the way the supply chain, the grain industry works. And one of them being, um, we was out in West Oklahoma earlier this year, and a lot of producers were getting postcards from one of these one of these companies saying, you know, we'll give you forty cent premium on your wheat, and then you got to do is sign up, plant our seed, and all this stuff. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, uh, it does. Sounds great, right? Well, what's this asterisk on here for? You know, and and then you read on, but. Uh, no, what, no, honey, hey, hey, it's got 40 cents more from our wheat. Can you believe it? This is asterisk. great. No, no, that's the end. That's all that happened. But I'm gonna it, go tell in the case of one of in the case of one producer I talked to was out there that did it. And he said, you know, what happened was the place he thought he was going to be delivering to ended up telling him, said, no, we will not accept this because we've got so much grain. We're taking our own customer stuff first. This guy was. I think a partial, you know, at least took some of his grain there on his own anyway. But since he went through this other company, they're like, we got to take care of our own guys first with their contracts and needs. You're last. So that stinks, especially if you've got a big crop trying to get it out. And then, so finally, when he did get to deliver the stuff months later, it was like 60 miles farther and he usually goes anyway. So by the time it's all said and done, you know, he, he, burned a bunch of that chunk of premium in extra freight getting there. So, uh, and that's not going to be indicative of every case. Just, you know, I think there's an assumption that some of these companies think, well, if we get these bushels and elevators will fall all over themselves to get their, you know, to be a delivery point for this program. Well, I, I wouldn't count on that. If it was me and in my elevator, like beans this year, and I had a company saying, Oh, we got some of these guys signed up with this IHTA and we want to deliver there. No, sir. No, sir. You know, I got to take care of my guys first. It's a big crop. I'm taking care of these guys. And I think that would dissuade some producers from using it. And the other side of it is, um, I can only imagine the disaster and any HTA on beans up north would have been this year, no matter who offered it, just the way basis turned out. It's funny how, you know, you get out there with a a strong price and better than such and such is bidden and I, I get extra. And everybody is all about extra all year long, except at harvest. Mm-hmm. At harvest, doesn't really matter as much. I got to go, you know. Um, and so what we what we have is a a a you know a point where 
we had all these, yeah, that all sounded good. Well, now it's harvest and okay, I got however many cents more per bushel, but can I even deliver it anywhere? And how far do I have to go? And how much time is this going to take me? And am I going to be able to get out, get my beans or my corn or whatever out of the field before everybody else when I'm having to run this far? Because next week they're calling for a three inches of rain and, and all this junk, everybody else is going to get done. And I'm not, you know, that's the, um, that's the deal. And, and one of these companies, uh, went into, to one market I'm aware of and said, we're going to run ABC company out of business. That's what we mm-hmm. we're going to do here. Now keep in mind, they don't have any space. No uh, physical assets. They have, you know, people who call on the phone or come visit you and, and, uh, promise you things. Um, and, they want to run ABC company out of business. Then harvest time comes and they go to ABC company and say, Hey, we got all these bushels. Can you take them? And you know, it's like Roger saying, uh, no, not really. Or you're the person who said you were going to run, run me out of business. Right. But I need to help you uh, in mm-hmm. the pinch when you have displeased customers um, that you have tried to steal from me and have stolen from me in some cases. And, and uh, so that's, uh, that's kind of the rub. Uh, there's a little bit of a learning curve. This business is all about relationships. That's the other thing, you know, uh, that the chair business doesn't have going for it uh, is this is a relationship business, man. There's only so many farmers in each area. And I mean, you make them mad, you're going to be on the on the wrong list. Or so many elevators or buyers in an area and get on their bad side. It happens. You, there's companies that get blackballed. I, I know when I was in Southeast Kansas, there was some resellers that just about everyone down there refused to deal business with because they were slow pay or whatever it was. And it was like, you tell your producers, hey, guys, if this guy goes off you some kind of premium for stuff and you think you're going to deliver it here, you're going to be the very last in line. If there's room, I'll take it. And then even then, maybe. You know, and not saying you got to be that way, but it's the way you want to be because it's, like Jason said, it's a slap in the face. But to have these, these, and I think eventually all this will shake out, and the people that provide a genuine value will be there, but the others won't. It's, it's, um, I, from, from, and from these company standpoint, you know, I've, I've ran a, it wasn't a huge direct ship program, nothing like a lot of these cross country guys do by any means, but running direct ship programs and get stuff right around the elevator, stuff 60 miles away, a pot of farm or somewhere. That can be a nightmare of keeping track of all the stuff. You got undershipments, overshipments, all that. I couldn't imagine doing that, essentially having a big cross-country program without any physical assets for all these multiple delivery locations and trying to keep it straight. Someone's gonna overship, someone's gonna undership. How do you cover it? How do you how do you cope? Especially when you you don't have a bin your own, you can go and dump stuff in or take stuff out of to cover something. Right. Is it impossible? No, but is it gonna be fun or is it gonna be worthwhile when you're charging little to nothing to do the service holy cow i can only imagine what the price of data is today because i can't imagine how these guys are making their money any other way mm-hmm. it's 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 incredible so i don't know i hope i'm wrong i know um there's a lot i don't know about it and i hope someone tells me about it a little bit more and i'd be all ears for sure yeah you know maybe we can uh you know, as the, as the winter rolls on, the year rolls on, we can, we, you know, there's conferences all the time and stuff. Maybe we can, we can sit down with one of them, um, or more, <laughs> more, and, you know, just, just, uh, get the idea. Cause like I said, there's, there's a lot of money and a lot of smart people behind them, um, trying to figure this out. I think they do have a legitimate space on the input side. Um, 
and they're going to have to find their way on the grain mm-hmm. and, uh, and we'll see. And I'd like to hear from, you know, the elevator folks that's dealt with them. And then we've got some, uh, and we have, I've heard from a few folks that that's at least agreed to be part of this process. And I don't know if they have or end up working out or not, but you know, just to see how it goes. And I just can't imagine forfeiting your space as an elevator owner operator, um, just to become a delivery point. But some people do that already on their own when they give cheap storage all year long. So it's, you're pretty much not a basis trader there anyway. You're just a cheap delivery point. So it already happens. It's just, um, I don't know. It's strange. We'll see how it shakes out. I've always felt that there was, there was room to, as far as inefficiencies go to really take advantage of just grain facilities that don't make good policy. I mean, just capitalizing on that. And there's cross country traders that do that. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing. I mean, there, it, that already exists mm-hmm. uh, to, to some extent by people in the business that have been trading it for a long time and understand right. that sort of thing. Um, or, or just farmers who bring it in and you say, Oh, you have a 12 cent dump feed on January one and your Jan bid is 37 cents higher than today. <laughs> I shall sell that now. Exactly. And the elevators let them. Yes. 25 cents extra. Okay, here you uh, go. I'll make 12. The arbitrage of the gods. They, but you know, a disruptor, I think the process is for them to come in, like in other industries, disrupt enough to cause a major existing player to try to buy them a lot of money, and then it's done. It's over. It gets yeah. absorbed in and turns into something else probably. And I, I think that's what we're seeing. I think we're just trying to see people get bought. But mm-hmm. I, I don't live in Silicon Valley. I don't know how they do. But I know how KC do. <laughs> well, I think that's... Uh, that's good for today. We we like to keep you guys uh, appetites wetted, but not too long. That's right. We uh, don't want to keep you too long and uh, and keep it keep us under half hours like we always try to do. Uh, so that's it. We we look forward to talking to you again uh, on the next podcast. And I apologize for any of my crazy theories today. And uh, if anything, I've offended you. I'm sorry that you're offended. Um, that was genuine. That's <laughs> awesome. Kudos to you, sir. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks again. And for Jason, I'm Roger. And for Roger, I'm Jason. Jason.